Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Octane Community Studios on this Tuesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show, except it's not Wolf sitting to my right. Or are you? Looks like Kellen Olsen. I guess the surprise is kind of gone since we just did crosstalk with Bickley and Murata three minutes ago. They did the same thing. Everyone always sets me up for a wolf impersonation. That's because everyone has a solid wolf. I always say this when I fill in. I can't do a wolf. I don't. I'm not going to do it right now and prove how bad my wolf is. You're not going to get it. But you do have Kellen Olsen. Hi! You, you have to believe. Like, you have to go all in on the wolf impression. And then even then, half the time, it doesn't translate. And you can't speak right for the rest of the day once you do it. So if you're going to do it, Kellen, don't do it until one fifty-seven, please. Okay, I'll do it. When the microphones, I had to, you had to add that up my head. Sorry, it is technically Monday for a lot of us, so that was that was really tough for me to put together. But yes, the microphones will be off. You won't hear it. Okay, that's great. The national public will not hear it. The uh, international public, worldwide listening right now, Luke. Don't forget it. Wow, that's true. I didn't even think of that. No pressure here to Arizona talk Sports about. Soccer. J.J. Watts. You want, to, you want to start there, even though we just talked about him with uh, Bickley and Murata. I feel like it's... Um, we should. I feel like it's a good starting point. This is one of those things that... I, I got to be honest. I know I know. Vince just said probably shouldn't be a surprise, considering you know the fact that he just... Him and his, uh, his wife just had a child, and he's, he had the health stuff a little bit earlier in the season. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting him to retire today. I, I think we're all trained to... I think we're all trained to see guys retire when they've had a year or two where we're like, oh, yeah, man, he's kind of like falling off a little bit, right? And and we've seen J.J. Watts still not at the height of his powers, of course, but because the height of his powers was a guy who won three Defensive Player of the Year awards, but he's been a legitimate game-changing player when he's been healthy here. And Arizona, and I mean, the game we're just coming off that we're going to talk about, like he was the best player in that game overall, and I don't think it wasn't really close at all. He, he no. was that guy. So when you see someone like him retire who still has some left in the tank, for sure, it, I think we're trained now to see it as a bit of a surprise because guys usually, and, and you can think about it, I mean, J.J. Watt's been thinking about being in the NFL probably since he was six years old or whatever, and now he's just supposed to shut that part of his life off. He doesn't know anything else but football right now, and that's a really tough thing for a lot of these guys to handle, but I think it just shows like a lot of maturity from his own personal end to be able to call it right now because a lot of guys, you see them need that extra year or two of seeing like, okay, like I should move on, but he's kind of making that decision with, with his son and everything moving on to the next stage of his life. I, I hope it's I hope it's not a health thing. You know what I mean? Because that, that was a bit of a scare a few weeks ago, even though he still played that week. I, I hope it's not because right. of that. I hope it's just, I hope it's a combination of like you just said, you know, he's, he's got the child. He, he gets, he's about the only player that could retire on the Cardinals this season and you could say oh he's retiring uh, after having a good year you know I, I feel bad that he's retiring after a, a team season like this you know J.J. Watt probably deserves better than than this mess that they are uh, they've put together this year just like Larry Fitzgerald deserved better than going out where he couldn't play the last two games and they couldn't beat C.J. Beathard and John Wolford a couple years ago but look that's the way it works out sometimes uh, I, I give him a lot of credit for going out and playing the way he has played to the point where he does stand out in these games. Like you said, he was probably the best player on the field on Sunday, and he at least gets to leave on a high note like that. Now, what it does for the Cardinals going forward, and you brought this up in the in the, uh, in the pre-show meeting, it really... <laughs> this could just signify the whole end of this era. I mean, if you wanted to just 
just completely start over other than Kyler Murray, you can basically do it. You know, I mean, you're going to keep Buddha and you're going to keep some players. Teams don't just flush 53 players. But for the most part, J.J. Watt had played so well that it would have been really tough to let him go this offseason. And yet, it probably wouldn't have been the right move to bring him back because we're seeing it. He's having a great year, and it, it doesn't result in wins because you need more than one or two guys playing like this. Well, the way that I was looking at it and the way I was kind of talking about it with a couple of different friends, a lot of us being Cardinals fans, is that I thought they were going to be in a position where from a money uh, a money angle, of course, J.J. is going to be a guy who would have been expensive, but I think Zach Allen is that type of player now where there's going to be a smart team or two that really seriously looks into giving him a, a good chunk of money, and now it makes Zach Allen like imperative. Like You almost have to bring him back now. Yeah, I you think don't have with, a choice. Like, you don't really have a choice, but he is going to be... I, w- I don't know where he's going to land on the Chase Edmonds-Christian Kirk bracket in terms of how much money he makes, because Chase wasn't really too expensive, but Christian Kirk was very expensive. Where does he land? And by the way, like the Jacks, good, good, good job by them, appears they were onto something yeah, there. Keep Zach Allen away from Jacksonville. I don't even want them talking to him. But there's going to be a smart team out there that sees a really good football player kind of stuck in this mess of a situation right now, and they're able to see through that and see that this is a guy who can be a like can eventually be a difference maker when he he does have a lot of parallels to JJ. Like health is a big is the number one thing we always mention with Zach Allen. But I think he's been really good this year. And now you look at that defensive line, like you're already losing JJ Watt, who's are arguably your best defensive player. I think Buddha is obviously the guy who comes up number one, but right. Right after that, it's JJ. So you ha- you cannot lose anything else on that defensive line, and that's where Zach Allen comes into play. So that's how my mind immediately kind of shifts with this from a Cardinals impact. But the, there's no way to replace a player like him either. You, you just really can't. It's it's one of those things where you talk about money balling and doing it by committee or whatever, but at the same time that's that, that's not what J.J. Watt is. It's not like he's the number like 14 sacks or this many tackles for loss or whatever. It's those half dozen to a dozen plays he makes a game that no one else in the NFL could but him and, and primarily like blowing up run plays. He's the best I've ever seen at that on the Cardinals. I, I think like Darnell Dockett, Calais Campbell in, in my day as a Cardinals fan have a case for that, but just the way that he breaks it, splits a double team, gets the legs of a rusher before he even breaks the line of scrimmage. It's unlike anyone I've ever seen play for them before. He's going to be missed a lot. I also I, I want him around Cameron Thomas and Zach Allen and MyJ Sanders and even Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Is yeah. there a way where we can just like, okay, yeah, JJ, we get it. You're retired. Can you just kind of hang out around the facility next year? Because we need like, this is the problem here. And, and, and you know, obviously, certainly his right to retire, and I think it's probably the right decision if he's, if he's coming to it right now. But <laughs> the problem is, when you look at the Cardinals and you say, here are the things that need to change for next season, right? You could probably come up with a quick list of about 25 things that need to change for next season. J.J. Watt, in a perfect world, is one of the things you wouldn't want to change. Like, yeah, you probably couldn't pay him what other teams could for next year. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense where you are as a franchise right now. But on the one hand, okay, you're getting some clarity. J.J. Watt's not going to be here. On the other hand, it's like, that's one of the few things I didn't want to change with this team for next year. We owe it to JJ here to run through some of his accolades as well and, and not just spend the time talking about the Cardinals and talking about him. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, five-time Pro Bowler, and this is like my favorite little tidbit of it. When he was healthy enough to like play a full season and, and make the Pro Bowl team, because five Pro Bowls, it sounds low. Like I like I missed, I looked that up wrong. He was a first-team All-Pro in all five of those years, too. So when you got JJ Watt fully healthy for a full year, you were getting the best defensive player, arguably, in the NFL that year. Second all-time in tackles for loss. That is a statistic that kind of came up in the last 20 years or 
or so, but that's a pretty jaw-dropping number. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier. 38th all-time in sacks, 111.5. I think that he's definitely a guy where if he would have just stayed healthy, he would have been in the top 10 for sure. Oh, definitely. And then the one that I had to look up for myself, because we all know J.J. Watt with the finger wag, he's really good about tipping passes at the line of scrimmage. 69 passes defense, that's fourth all-time among defensive linemen. So he's just a, he was a dominant player, one of the best defensive players of his generation, really is just one of the best defensive linemen of all time. Three-time defensive player of the year. Yeah, and, and at times at Houston, they would use him as a, like as a, almost as a tight end to catch some touchdowns too. This is uh, Cliff Kingsbury after the game on Sunday talking about Watt. They asked him if anything surprises him with J.J. Watt anymore. He's, you know, inspiring the way he practices. You know, he, he's um, put his money where, where his mouth is because he's talked to the team about playing and being refreshed on in this circumstance that we're in and um, he's definitely backing it up and it's motivating for the staff and the players. Now, I guess the follow-up would be, does anything surprise you about J.J. Watt now that he just retired? I mean, he's still going to play the last two games. The other thing, Kellen, is, is doesn't it make you kind of look back on these last few weeks, not of, of this team, but just with J.J. Watt differently, where like he walked off the field on Sunday and it was noticeable that he was just kind of hanging out on the field looking around. And I don't, I mean, I don't follow J.J. Watt around, so maybe he does that after every game, right? But it was, it was to the point where you noticed it on Sunday watching the end of the game. Um, now you look back and you're like, wait, is that because he knew that was his final home game? You know, all the conversations, all the knowledge he's, he's passing along to Cameron Thomas a couple episodes of Hard Knocks ago, is that, you know, is he sitting there reflecting on his career as much as he's helping Cameron Thomas take the next step in his? I don't know. It's just it, the way he has played. We heard Bickley say when we were just in here for crosstalk, you know, that could easily be viewed as he's playing out of his mind because he's going to get paid next year. No, now it's pretty clear he was playing out of his mind because he he didn't want to leave anything on the field as he's going to retire. The team's not winning, but he's at least going to be able to say he played good football on the way out the door. All right, coming up next, we're taking through all of the biggest plays of that Cardinals loss to Tampa on Sunday. Big Red Reacts is coming up. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Kellen's got this J.J. Watt stat that he refuses to share with me, so i got to wait until we talk about J.J. Watt again in like a couple hours, huh? Oh, I thought I was going to say it right now. I was like, no, no. we're saving it for the segment. But, but yeah. Wow. That's You're going to have to listen. And that segment, everyone, is at 12.15. Look, everyone's busy. You know, you got lunch plans or whatever to I'm go to or whatever. Just like have to put in the now. AirPod for like 30 seconds to hear the J.J. Watt stat at 12.15 in a workout. See, so you say 12 o'clock hour, so people don't know, and they're like, I have to hear the stat. We're so I'm new just at this. I'm trying my best. Kellen's like, we're going to say it at 12. 1738, and then you can turn the radio off at 121743. All right. Speaking of uh, JJ Watt, he's about the only highlight you're going to hear here in the, this uh, Big Red Reacts. I made this, uh, this statement earlier, and it was only half jokingly. Kellen, the Cardinals lost to the Chargers on November 27th. Should have won that game. Get a first down, you win that game. Yeah, that was week 12. Uh, week 14, had the bye week. Week 13 it was a good week. Week 14 against the uh, the Patriots. Just don't turn the ball over. The Patriots were a mess offensively. You win that game. Denver, no, we can't We can't do that. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> We're, we're going to turn the ball over, actually. Sorry about that. Denver last week. What do we have to do to beat them? Well, you know, they just gave up 51 to Baker Mayfield. So maybe just, like, show up for the full game and they will melt down. Baker Mayfield, the guy that, like, no one wanted really, like, at all. And the team took him super desperately because they don't have anything else going on at quarterback right now. 51. Did I start Denver's defense in our fantasy football championship? Did the Cardinals play that team recently? Uh, Yeah, actually they did. And then, you know, on uh, Sunday, just um, 
just hand the ball to James Conner at the ends. He gets you a first down. Why, why, why do we insist on giving Tom Brady the ball with a chance to win at the end? The Buccaneers are the most just annoyingly boring team that's ever going to win a division in football. So with that all said, it's time for Big Red Reacts. Wolf and Luke. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wicopa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets four diamond splendor. A 38-yard field goal attempt. Ryan Suckup in year 14. The Buccaneers kicker. After a failed shot at six when Julio Jones was open, the kick is up. And it is good. Snap and hold are good. And that is an absolute howitzer with more than enough leg. And it splits the uprights. 56-yard field goal from Matt Prater, who's finishing this season on a high note. Snap and hold are good on the leg. And he makes it look routine. Splitting the uprights. Tampa regains the lead. The holding kick are up, and it hits the left upright, and Karen's through. How about that? When you're hot, you're hot. Matt Brader hits the left upright. He gets the home field bounce, and he adds the 56-yard field goal, this time a 53-yard shot. Brady with time, steps up, fires, and picked off! Marco Wilson near sideline, intended for Mike Evans. Brady left it short, and Marco Wilson climbed the ladder and reeled in the pick. Play action fake, and McSorley wants it all. Deep shot, far sideline, and in coverage, and making the catch is Hollywood Brown at the 20-yard line. Went up over two DBs and hauled it in. Hollywood Brown on second down and nine beats Mike Edwards and Sean Murphy bunting. This will be a 39-yard field goal attempt. Prater is up. Kick has plenty of leg. And it is good. Matt Prater has really put together a couple of really clean and impressive games, and that gives the Cardinals the lead. McSorley under center. Give to Connor. Looking left. Runs off the tackle left side. 20-10. Races inside the five and into the end zone. James Connor houses it from 22 yards out. That's the Cardinals' run game, wearing down the defense in the fourth quarter, and it pays off with a first touchdown to the game. Leonard Fournette out of the backfield, a little swing pass. He's still loose at the 40, 45, 50. One man to beat at the 40, 35, 30. It's Jalen Thompson, and he takes him out of bounds near the 20-yard line. Huge gainer. McSorley and a quick pitch to Ingram, and the ball hits the turf, and Tampa recovers. Instead of James Conner, straight up the gut, they tried a quick pitch to the left, and Keontae Ingram was in motion, and instead the ball hit the turf. William Golston pounces on it, the big defensive tackle, and it's Buccaneer ball. Oh, my. Kick is up, and a line drive is through. We are tied at 16 at State Farm Stadium with 2.27 to go in the game. From the Cardinals' 44-yard line, four seconds to play. This will be the final play of the game before overtime, or will it be the game? McSorley sprints right, loads up, launches, throws towards the end zone. The ball is caught by Tampa Bay and intercepted at the five-yard line. And that'll do it. The snap is down. The hold is good. The kick is up. Definitely has the leg, and it is good. 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers walk it off in overtime. The game-winning 40-yard field goal. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers pull it out against the Cardinals. 19-16 is your final. You know, Kellen, the uh, the best part of that, that was three minutes and 44 seconds long. Mm-hmm. Wolf, we heard once say, oh boy. <laughs> I laughed. I didn't realize your mic was on. I was. I didn't mean to laugh at there to spare, but uh, that was very funny. To me. No, look, it's uh, what else can you do at this point, right? I mean, if you're a Cardinals yeah. fan, you have gone either down the path of I want the highest pick possible. Yeah, be like me and just think about Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. That's all I was thinking about during the game. Would you, okay, so let's go down that path real quick. Yeah, I am of the belief if you get one of those picks, a pick where you can get one of those guys, um, you take them. I, I don't want to trade the Will Anderson pick for like a later first and then you know a mid second and a third down the no unless you're going to give me something crazy unless you are a quarterback desperate team willing to just overpay for the second overall pick or something. If I'm picking fourth and Will Anderson's still there, I'm taking Will Anderson. It, it's tough to operate in the, in this lens where we don't know the GM. Well, yeah, that, that too, but also y- your, your sport being hockey. Uh, they have this thing called a salary cap, which is oh, fantastic. Yes. My sport, basketball, a salary cap as well. I guess they have a salary cap in the NFL. No one told the Los Angeles Rams that. Like, the Rams you know, there are a lot of teams don't have to do salary cap things. And baseball, who knows? I'm bringing this up because I can't make that answer without knowing what exactly the Cardinals are going to do this offseason with their free agency and how many holes they're going to have to fill with the money that they have because they're paying a whole lot of money to Kyler now. They're paying a whole lot of money to DeAndre Hopkins now. There's a couple of huge contracts there, Buddha as well, and they have just a lot of holes on this team. So if they are in a situation where they need to go the draft route and fill some of those holes immediately in the draft, then they should trade down. I feel like they should, even if I'm the one who wants the real difference maker, like I've been saying for the past couple of weeks now as a Cardinals fan, but... With, with that in mind, it would it would still be really tough to just turn up turn down like the blue chip guy because yes, we've seen some iteration of this in the past in terms of Isaiah Simmons, in terms of Zayvon Collins or whatever. But we're talking about Will Anderson or Jalen Carter is going to be the number one player off the board that's not a quarterback, and that's it's looking like it's a lot a of near, people have him number one just in general. It's looking like it's a near certainty that one of those two guys is going to be the first player off the board who is not a quarterback, and, and more often than not, that is going to be a blue chip can miss guy who makes a couple of Pro Bowls at least for you, and they need. We just talked about JJ Watt. Like your difference maker on the front seven is gone. Like your your true guy who changes games on the front seven is gone. You can get one in in the draft. If you lose, it's well. well I'm, I'm sure confident that, in that. I'm I'm so sure they are going to win one of these games. I'm they so have won sure. The last four, they're not even good, and they should have won the last. It four would games. just be the cherry on the crap Sunday, whatever. I don't I don't care enough about this team to make a good metaphor for them. The, the Packers are somehow still in the playoffs, as ridiculous as it is, and the Cardinals do not deserve to be a playoff team. And I'm, I'm going to be clear of what I'm saying here. I'm just saying the last four games were extremely winnable. They played three bad football teams and and they played their best game against the Chargers who are a decent football team. And Tampa is not a good football team and they're going to host a playoff game, but whatever. Um, to what you're saying, though, it that decision's going to be made by what you do at GM. I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that Steve Kime's not going to be here because that's what we have heard. So if you are, if you bring in a new guy then I'm assuming that new guy's going to look around and be like, one one player's not going to save this team. Um, maybe if it's Adrian Wilson or Quentin Harris, they look and say, okay, hold on, we can rebuild this. What I think is interesting about this team, and hey, look, we've got eight months to talk about this. 
they were built around their offense this year. They invested no resources in defense. Their defense actually might be what you're building around going in, going forward, just in the sense that you have your young talent on defense right now. If let's say you took Will Anderson with like the third pick in the draft or something, too. A GM building through the draft? Are you sure? Well, that's the thing. The, I wanted, the most common way to build a team in any sport. I want to know what? who the GM is you before. Sure? Nah, before. trade it for a wideout. If trade it for a wideout, come if, on. If it's the current setup, I just want them taking the sure thing at number three. Draft a tight end when you already have a Pro Bowl caliber one. Why not? Let's do it. Hey, Let's see what happens. I think it all worked out pretty well. Coming up next, we'll take uh, you through all of the... No, we're not. We already did that. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We're going to go Suns, and Kellen's going to cheer us all up with some Suns talk, right, Kellen? Kellen took his headset off. How does Devin Booker's injury impact this team going forward? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we got Kellen Olsen here for four full hours. Feels like a good time to talk some Phoenix Suns basketball. Let me set the uh, scene for you on Christmas night. Sure. Okay, Kellen. Okay. So, started watching that. Obviously, the, the Cardinals game was going, too. Started watching that, that Suns-Nuggets game with 14 people. Okay, by the end, everybody had either left or gone. So I was the only person watching it when we got to halfway through overtime. I know they lost the game. I know they've lost 8 of 11. There's there's legitimate reason to be concerned here. I'm surprised they were able to hang around in that game without Cam Johnson, basically without Devin Booker, with Jamal Murray playing the way he was and Nikola Jokic playing the way he always does. Yeah, I, I know there are people who say there aren't any moral victories, but are you saying that that type of effort is the same exact effort as the Boston one or the Dallas one or the Memphis one earlier it looked last like week. a different team. Much different team. Different team. It, it looked like the team that we know, yeah. uh, I think. It looked like the team from last year, the team from two years ago that really showed some fight, stuck around pretty much all game until crunch time happened. And then they looked like a team I've never seen before again. And it was a bizarre it was a bizarre game because we'll we'll get to Chris Paul I'm sure in a bit and how much that is affecting this uh, Devin Bookerless um Stretch. Uh, by the way, Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic just reporting 45 minutes ago that Devin Booker came back to Phoenix to have his left groin strain reevaluated here. The Suns are on game two of a six-game road trip. Typically, guys will stay with the team on the road if it is the type of injury that is going to just stick with them for a couple of days or whatever. And I think the fact that they just want him to come back to their own medical testing and all that kind of stuff, get him in their house for the testing, suggests that it is... It is not just a minor injury, and it is and it is something that could again. We we talked about this with K Ray um, last week. Like, is he going to miss more than a month? I'm not saying that by any means, but is he going to miss at least a week? Yeah, probably. That that's what I would at least read into this. Yeah. With that in mind, uh, so not having him in crunch time, all that's great, well and done. Like it, it clearly affects their team, and it clearly affects Chris Paul. But just to see like DeAndre and Mikel Bridges brain farting and in those moments, these are. Young players, sure, but I don't even think it's fair to call them young players actually anymore. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna agree but with myself. Point, they've there. been to the finals. They've like been it's... to the finals. They've been in. I think I, the stat I had for the Twins pieces that Mikel has got like 34 career playoff games at this point, or 35. DeAndre's got the same amount as well. And those guys have just been in so many situations now over the last couple of years that they just shouldn't be making these mistakes that you would attribute to second, third year players who. 
just uh, look like they're trying to figure it out. And that's what this whole stretch of December looks like to me. It looks like a team that doesn't know who it is right now. And this is the one team that had a clear identity more than anyone else in the league coming into this year. It's just been a very bizarre is the word I keep coming back to uh, stretch. By the way, Luke, last year, remember the clutch stats? Yeah, clutch time, all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah, they every game, yeah. Five minutes or less in the game, score within five. If that ever happens, it is a clutch game. The Suns were 33-9 and nine in them last year. They've already got nine losses in them this year. They're five and nine this year. That and that right there that describes what you're saying. If they haven't, they're the I would say half this season they haven't looked recognizable, and they just don't look like the team overall that they were last year. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? I mean, they have not been able to keep the same team on the floor together for any stretch of time. And I'm not saying that like oh the Suns have all these injuries and nobody else does. No other teams have injuries, but I just wonder. If we're going down this path now where it's going to be like, oh, yeah, they'll all start playing together in April and everything will be fine. You're not going to know until you actually get them all out there playing together. You're not going to be able to build any momentum here if you don't have Devin Booker or Cam Johnson on the floor. And some of it is like, okay, is Landry Shamit getting better as a, as a happy byproduct of all this? Yeah, okay, he is probably. It sure looks like it the last week or so. But you're still losing the games. I mean, oh, Landry, Landry Shamit's hurt now, by the way. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, he was, he's the reason that you were still in that game. He and, I mean, Chris Paul had 16 assists, but like, he, it took 31 points from Landry Shamit to hang around in that game. I just wonder where this is all going. And I, we'll get more into this later on, but I even heard Vince say this morning when I was driving in with, uh, with Bickley of like, there should be one guy on this team that's untouchable. And we all know who that is. Yeah. Beyond that, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're a good basketball team if you were healthy. I still think you're a title contender, but it would be really naive to pretend that other teams aren't passing them right now. There are a lot of reasons why I believe this would be the best regular season team in the league again, but there there are three that really stand up to me just like looking at basketball and breaking it down to a lot more of a like simplistic kind of view, not looking at it in terms of rotations, roster instructions, just like three simple things. One, they know how to win when games are close. Like that is just an innate ability that some teams have and some teams don't. They showed it last year. This year they just don't have it. We mentioned the stat earlier. Two, they have Chris Paul. Say you're not showing up and it's 41 to 34 in the in the late second quarter. Chris Paul is going to do that 11-2 run thing. All of a sudden, you're up three at halftime. Yeah. Like, what? We, we've been, we, if you're speaking from a Suns perspective, we, we've been terrible this game. Like, we, we didn't show up and we're up three? How? That guy does it all the time. He, he's done it all the time and he's done it, I think, once or twice this year, I would say. He had a couple of those moments in the Wizards game before that kind of fell apart. And then three, no matter what in basketball, if you are a great defensive team, you are going to be able to win any game. Any game. If you show up and play great defense, I don't care how many shots aren't going in, you're going to be able to win. And that's not just defense, that's because you're playing off of misses, you're able to play at your own pace, you're able to play against a defense that's on its back heels, you're setting up easier chances to score, now you're scoring more, now your defense is even more set, and so on and so forth. Since the 10-game mark, they lost to the Sixers. And then on November 8th, that was the day after that game. Since November 8th, they are 24th in defensive rating. 24th. That is 24 games. They are a bad defensive team right now. And all three of those things together, Luke, they're a bad team right now. I don't I, understand I can, how that happens. I don't I, understand how the defense goes away. Me, you can't me neither. Me that was it, Cam Johnson. It's not just Jay Crowder. It's not just... It, it's a lot of different things going on. I think Mikel has not been as good defensively. I think DeAndre's not been as good defensively. I think Torrey Craig has been much worse defensively. They've got a lot of things kind of going on right now where... 
I can look at them honestly and just say, not only are they not a good team right now, they're a bad team right now. They're they're, they're bad. Now, how much of that has to do with the injuries? A lot, of course. Like, I'm not just going to toss that to the side and say it doesn't matter. But if they had this type of injury stretch last year or two years ago, they still would have been able to keep themselves afloat. Yeah. They wouldn't have been great. They wouldn't have gone 9-2 over the stretch or whatever. They're now 1-5 without Booker, and they're going to be without Booker here for a couple more games. And they've got some real questions to kind of figure out, or we could be talking about them being a 500 basketball team. And if you've been looking at the NBA standings at all this year, that is not a place to be right now because there are a lot of teams floating around 500 right now. I want to go back to what you said about Mikel um, maybe not even being as good defensively this year. How much of that in your mind, is the fact that he's being asked to be a, okay, you, you have to score, Booker's out, or Booker's there, but Cam Johnson's out, we need a second score, or Chris Paul's out. I mean, for a while, there was no Chris Paul or Cam Johnson. How much of that is 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 people going to, to McKell and saying, look, man, you gotta, we need 25 from you tonight, or is that completely, are, are those two mutually, you know, do they have to be mutually exclusive? Can you go out there, can he score and still be the same defender? Because you're right, he's still been a good defender, but he hasn't looked like Mikel Bridges. He's he's still an all-defense guy under consideration right now, for sure, and he, he probably makes one of those teams for sure at the end of the year, but not even a guy that comes up in the defensive player of the year conversation right now, and rightfully so, honestly. In his last 11 games, he's shooting 36.5%, which is not good, but it's one of those numbers where you're like, okay, it's not horrible. Mikel is one of the most efficient offensive players in the league, the stat that I had in my recap on ArizonaSports.com is that he only had one stretch over his career prior to this year where he shot below 50% in five straight games. He did it for the last five games right now. Then he shot 11 for 18 against the Clippers, which like broke his previous streak of five. So he's done it now twice this month when he had done it once in the last two years. See, this goes back to that debate if you can't ask him to be a scorer. He's taking 15 shots a game right now, and that probably has a lot to do with it. He's probably learning. So now I'm starting to maybe think, if, Luke, the way smarter basketball people than you and I, Monty Williams and his staff and the front offices believe that there's a correlation there between the shots going up and his defense going down, then they should have him stop uh, playing this Somebody level, else needs to score. level of offense. But Chris Paul needs to get going. The, the other brief stat that I had there is that he missed five free throws in that game. He was five of ten from the line. Stick with me here. He's had 506 games in his career where he's taken at least five free throws or more to be eligible to miss five free okay. throws. Guess yeah. how many times he's done it now? Uh, two. Two. In his Is entire really career, he's missed five free throws or more twice. They would have won that game that I'm still not really sure how they were hanging around if Chris Paul just shot free throws the way he He said it himself. He's like, wait, I got to hit free throws. We should have won. That was a strange game, and you're right. It's like, is it a moral victory? It, kind of. If, but you're also three and eight in your last eleven. So, and, and this isn't a team that should be. They don't get anything for moral victories. All right, we come back. Speaking of not getting moral victories, the Broncos have fired their head coach. So, how does that affect the coaching carousel that's going to start in a couple weeks? Did they just get a head start on everybody? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke Kellen Olson in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, it seemed kind of inevitable. I don't know how many Broncos fans you know, Kellen. I somehow know quite a few Broncos fans, and they have been irate since, uh, let's see, Monday Night Football of Week 1 of this season. And they're going to continue to be irate because Russell Wilson doesn't even look like the same guy. But uh, they wanted Nathaniel Hackett gone. They are a loud fan base. He was clearly going to be gone. He is now gone, which I think is a little bit of a surprise to some people because the season's not even over. But they just gave up 51 to the Rams. 
sidelines and they were fighting with each other on the sidelines and that's not the first time this happened and as bad as you may think it is with the Bron- or the Cardinals right now if you're driving around as a Cardinals fan and it is it has been an absolute disaster in Denver and they are locked in uh, to Russell Wilson for years and years but um, I don't know they just finally said enough's enough yesterday I don't know if they had much of a choice with Nathaniel Hackett do you ever meet someone and get a horrible first impression and you're like, oh, well, maybe they were just, you know, we all have bad days or whatever, you know, like yes. you don't want to judge. Don't. I'm not judgy. I don't judge people. You can no, like, uh, And then the second and third impressions come I'm like, well, those haven't been great either. You're like, those are worse. I should have trusted my instincts. Maybe they're just going through something. Maybe that's fine. And then it's been three months and you're like, yeah, they suck. Yeah, yeah. I need to get them out of my life immediately. And that's, yeah. uh, I, I could not believe watching that game that the Cardinals lost to the Broncos. I really couldn't. I'm watching the Broncos play the Rams. And I'm like, first of all, there's got to be a way to flex out the Christmas Day games, right? Okay, if, if we're only going to have three, if we're going to have one game on at a time, so you can't flip to another game on Christmas Day. Now, look, you're an NBA guy, and obviously I was flipping over. I was I was watching the Celtics Bucks. I was watching some of the Mavericks game. That's how bad the Broncos are. I was like, well, let's see what the Mavericks are doing. Um, but if you're the NFL and you're like, we're going to corner the market with these three games on, on Christmas Day, and those are your three games, you need to at least be able to flex the Broncos game out somehow. You, you have to. And uh, that was my first reaction watching that game, but just an absolute mess. This is Dan Orlovsky yesterday talking about what went wrong in Denver. What went wrong was Nathaniel Hackett never got Russell to play to, one, the expectation level given the draft capital they gave up and the money they paid him. And then, two, to anywhere close to where he has in the past. There's become zero comfort in their offense. This is an offense that Nathaniel Hackett runs that is predicated on rhythm and timing. And his challenge was to get Russell to be a player that was based in, predicated upon rhythm and timing. He's not been that guy in the past. That never happened. They were never, as an offense, able to grow from running basic concepts and build their offense off of that. For weeks on weeks on weeks, this offense in their past game has struggled to operate very simple concepts for all those reasons attached to it that's why this move with something had to happen happened in denver yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see where denver goes from here isn't it it sounds like sean payton wants vic fangio with him wherever he goes and i know he wasn't he's not like wildly popular in denver but uh you could also view this as the Broncos getting a head start on on uh, getting ready for Sean Payton. That's the more interesting part we should talk about, yeah, because we could see a scenario in which the Cardinals join the fellow teams right now in need of a, a permanent head coach. And I believe that is Carolina, Indi- Indianapolis, and now Denver, right? There's yeah. the three right there. Do either of those three jobs seem more appealing than the Cardinals' job right now? And I know the Cardinals are kind of in this, they've kind of been, a, we're going to talk about in the next segment, like they've kind of been a mess this year. But at the same time, you look at them from just like a talent perspective compared to those other teams. Like I don't, the Denver situation seems like you're kind of stuck with Russell Wilson right now. And I wouldn't want to be stuck with the guy using a, a football as, as a to cover his voice. Did you see that clip of him, by the way? It's gotten weird. Everything's just gotten weird. 
Where were people nine years ago? He's always been weird. I He's just understand. bad at football now. <laughs> yeah, but you can be weird if you're great at football. It, but you can't be weird if you're bad at football. Yeah. Like if Zach Wilson just started being weird. Yeah. He'd be gone. Zach Wilson's already yeah. basically gone. He's oh, that's just Russell, man. Russell's just a different kind of dude. You know, whatever, man. And now it's like, oh, my God. Like, he's, he's using the football guy, to cover his yeah, mouth again. Why is he doing this? Yeah. He's literally facing the others. Like, his back is to the sideline. They're not even looking over here. What is, what is he People, doing? The other team doesn't even want to know what you're going to do because they can already tell. Okay, so would you rather have a conversation with Russell Wilson while you can't see his mouth move because he's using a football to cover it. Would you rather go to Carolina? But it kind of seems like Steve Wilkes is gaining some momentum over there. Indianapolis, I don't really know. I, I know, I, again, for the people listening who are dread, dreading about the Cardinals, I'm sure there are a lot of people screaming at the radio right now. They're like, the Cardinals are the worst job of those four. Uh, or whatever. Like, I've, I don't think so. I've seen, think so. I've seen a lot of polls out there where, where people are like, the Cardinals are the best of those four. So you look at some of the more desirable candidates, of course, like Sean Payton's getting discussion but like D'Amico Ryans and the 49ers. I, I know the offensive coordinator in Detroit, Ben Johnson, has been getting a lot of buzz lately. Ken Dorsey, of course, the work he's done in Buffalo the last couple of years. Some of those candidates, like, I don't think this is the kind of... There are certain situations where you can get fortunate with the timing in terms of a head coaching change based on the competition out there because there can be some... Uh, like, let's... I'm just going to say this out loud. I don't know anything. Like, I'm not breaking news here or whatever. Like, a situation like, let's say Andy Reid retires and then, like, someone gets a chance to coach Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's the kind of situation where you're like, okay, everyone's competing for second at that point there's nothing even close to that right now at least uh, early 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 in this process so far well and and again the cardinals have not fired their coach yet they're no. not even in this situation yet but i think they're in a if they get in that situation where they have to compete with other teams for the prime candidates as of right now this this denver thing doesn't change anything for me yeah because I, I think you have to it comes down to how that coach that you're trying to get views Kyler Murray. And obviously the Kyler Murray injury is a wrinkle. If Kyler Murray, and this is why this was such a big deal to Wolf and I three weeks ago, if you were still just playing out the string of the season, but Kyler Murray was looking better in these games, these final few games, that's appealing to a Sean Payton. He's going to look and say, do I want to go have to coach Russell Wilson? And maybe Russell Wilson is, is a big reason that Nathaniel Hackett just got fired. Or do I go to Arizona and coach Kyler Murray? And I forget who it was that we had in here that, this is like two weeks ago, but it was a great point. I think it was actually Lorenzo Alexander. It was like, yeah, you may look at, at the Cardinals right now and say, okay, okay, this is a mess and that's a mess. But if you're a new coach, you're looking at it and saying, I'm going to clean all that out anyway. Who do I have on this team? And the only reason I would say Carolina is interesting is because that division is just trash. But if you're Sean Payton, you're not thinking that way. You're thinking, what team gives me the best chance to win a Super Bowl? Uh, not now, but within the next couple of years. And I still think there's something to what you're saying of the team that has the young franchise quarterback is more appealing than the Colts, although they might pick high enough to draft one. Denver's just stuck because they don't have any of their picks. And Carolina may pick, I mean, they're not going to pick high enough to be able to draft one of those top ones, but they may still be able to get one. I, I guess I hear what you're saying of the Cardinals aren't automatically the least appealing job. I'll put it that way. As someone who has uh, been an NFL head coach before, let me speak from experience okay, here. I, I don't think, and this is just, again, I'm being sarcastic. You know how many people are Googling you right now? Like, Kellen Olsen, I thought he was basketball. <laughs> when did he coach the New York the Jets? Lions? Oh, no, that's Kellen Moore, the Boise State You could right convince people you coached the Lions at one point. I kind of have the, car- the hair like uh, Kellen Moore. My mom bit, thought that you played in the NBA. Wow. I am tall. That, that gives the impression. <laughs> yeah. Well, she hadn't even seen you. She just was like, oh, did Kellen play? 
Whoa. You know how upset people are who did play? You know how mad people get when they hear, guess what, everyone? I only played up until middle school. I didn't even play high school ball that right. Isn't that so frustrating? I talk so knowledgeably, and I don't even really know. Like, I can't even say knowledgeably because that's not a word. Why are you inciting the Isn't audience? Isn't that crazy? We haven't even gotten to next segment when you're going to really incite the audience. Yeah, well, it, I think the bottom line of what, you're, what, what I was trying to say is, like, there are, I think, more that coaches look at, like, building blocks, and there are building blocks for both sides of the ball. Like, you look at that defense, and you're like, okay, you got Buddha. Like, there, there's your unquestioned leader. I'm sure there's defensive coaches who look at Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and are like, I know how to use them. Like, it, I know how to move them in the right spots. Look, or, if you more Collins, precisely, Simmons, you, Zach Allen, Buda Baker. Byron Murphy. Yeah, I mean, you, that's what I was saying earlier. You have the pieces of a decent young defense. And then offense, I did. DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, we would assume is, assume is back. Kyler Murray, I'm sure, again, I, the, the building I, I blocks mean, of like, I am a creative NFL mind. I know how to utilize these guys. Like, there are tools to play with there. Now, the margins around it are really questionable, and that's something you and I even talked about like last off season. But the building blocks are kind of there to be appealing, just like there are kind of in Denver and Indianapolis, to be clear. But yeah, I think they're there. Real quick, here's some of the names, just because uh, somebody sent out like the the it's the the odds on the next Broncos full time coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we'll get more into this later on when we get back into this topic. I'm not I don't care about the Broncos next coach, but just more so some of the names that are out there. If you're like, we got to fire Cliff, okay. Who who do you want? And I'm not saying there's not a name out there, but just be prepared. These are some of the names. Okay, Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, uh, Demeco Ryan's, like you said, Eric Bieniemy, Frank Reich, Kellen Moore. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a real option. Byron Leftwich, Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores. I've heard that name brought up a few times. Darren Bevel. I don't know why Peyton Manning is on this list. This must just be a Broncos ex- exclusive thing. But those are some of the names that you you need to, if you don't think the Cardinals can go out there and just get Sean Payton, but you still want to make a change at coach, those are some of the names that you're most likely going to be looking at. So it, it, it's more than just Sean Payton, but also it's it's not like there's four Sean Paytons out there. All right, we come back. Does Cliff Kingsbury even still want to be with the Cardinals? Interesting report from ESPN over the weekend. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.